From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Consumers have a lot of money to spend right now based on the national data that you just highlighted, Ryan. Uh, now the businesses are opening. Um, the protests maybe delay that a little bit, but businesses are reopening across the country. Consumers are getting out of their houses and starting to spend, certainly more than they were in, uh, in April. Uh, that is a good thing. Uh, and hopefully we can make more progress containing the pandemic here and um, a lot of us can return to uh, normal activity in a month or so. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here and on the lineup in Boston is Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, how are things going up in Boston today? Well, I mean, all in all, things are okay. Certainly some tough images to see in the news, um, you know, with protests. Boston, one of the harder hit uh, cities, but uh, hopefully some uh, constructive conversations and positive change can come out of this. Um, still, uh, all in all, things are okay up here, and I'm glad, uh, you know, everybody's healthy and safe. How about you? Yeah, no, very similar. Obviously, there were protests on, in up, up, we call it Uptown, Uptown Charlotte. Um, no, um, it sounds like major destruction in Charlotte, at least, but still definitely our thoughts go out to all of the people that are impacted by everything that's going on right now in our country. But let's get to some, maybe some more positive news, Jeff. Did you see the SpaceX launch on Saturday? I did. Yeah, after they had to delay it. Yes, that, they delayed that's it. Really, <laughs> that is really cool. Um, you know, <laughs> brings back memories of, you know, the space race 40 yes. years ago. And, um, you know, when, when that, that used to be, uh, you know, a big sign of global strength for the U S it's obviously not as big of a deal. Uh, doesn't get the, the headlines that it used to, but first, uh, you know, folks up in a commercial, um, uh, spaceship, just a, a really cool, cool story. No, no doubt about it. First time in nine years, U.S. astronauts were launched off U.S. soil. That's kind of fascinating by itself. And you're in Boston. I heard a stat. Apparently, it took 19 hours from the time they launched to the time they got to the space station. You can actually get to the space station faster than if you were to drive from Boston to Miami, Florida. So how about uh how about that? That's a kind of a unique little stat there. So, Jeff, let's, uh, we've got a lot to discuss this week in this week's LPL Market Signals podcast. So let's just dive in. We're going to talk uh, first and three separate things we're going to look at today. First and foremost, U.S.-China trade discussions continue to banter back and forth. Uh, we're also going to take a look at this week's weekly market commentary that we just put together. It takes a look at the idea that you know some of the beaten up names are starting to rally, but we're also seeing overall a lot more participation now as some of those beaten up names are participating. And then we're going to end up with a fun little segment. We're going to call it, Are You Confused? There's a lot of confusing things happening, yet as we speak, the stock market continues to go up. Just to put it in perspective, the month of May, we just wrapped up May. The S&P actually has been higher seven of the last eight months of May. You know, is that sell in May, go away? We talked about that a month ago right now. And we actually mentioned the fact that May historically has been strong. It's kind of later in the summer when you get some of that historical sell-off. And that played out again. And then, Jeff, from the lows, the S&P is up 35.7% from those March 23rd lows. Just an unbelievable, unbelievable rally. Um, so, Jeff, first things first, U.S.-China trade. Um, I'll set the stage and turn it to you. So the back and forth continues. Um, just today, China said they wouldn't buy, uh, they put a halt on purchasing soybeans from the United States. And then obviously Friday, President Trump had, a, uh, I guess, a, how do we want to word it, a well-watched and very anticipated press conference. You want to talk about the press conference maybe from Friday? Because we had a market rally after President Trump spoke, right? 
Sure. Yeah, we did. And Hong Kong stocks were up 3% yes. yesterday yeah. into this morning. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess the market had feared worse. And uh, really all we got was the, um, you know, the, Hong Kong losing its special trade status with the U.S. So the, from a trade perspective, with, with regard to tariffs and such, that the U.S. is treating them like China. But this could have been a lot worse. Um, you know, the U.S. could pull out of that China trade deal, which we don't expect at this point. But the odds that that does happen are clearly rising. Uh, you know, and with the, you know, the China pausing on the soybean purchases, that's certainly one uh, indication of that. Um, but then they could have also put sanctions on, uh, and there are things through the financial system that that uh, the U.S. can do to, um, you know, certainly hit Hong Kong as a global financial center. That's um, This is one front of a many front, uh, well, I guess we can call it war on China right now. Right. Um, it, you know, not traditional war, but the trade war has evolved into a geopolitical war and a COVID-19 war. So, you know, this, this, this story is not going to end anytime soon. Unfortunately, especially in an election year, it uh, looks like... Um, President Trump views being tough on China as a winning campaign issue, and certainly you're going to hear some um, tough talk on China out of uh, the Biden campaign as well. And so, um, I guess just buckle up and 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 you know what, wait and see where it goes. But certainly, this is a, a has become a meaningful market risk when just a few weeks ago uh, uh, we really thought U.S.-China relations were were in a relatively stable place. No, you're exactly right. And I want to use a quote that I like using. Henry David Thoreau said, it's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. And again, when you think about what just happened on Friday, yes, the the U.S. also left the WHO, right? That's kind of some back and forth with the COVID-19. Also made some comments that uh, some college students in China wouldn't be allowed to come to the United States either. So, So there's some different things that are taking place under the surface. But I think the main thing, at least from my point of view, from an investments point of view, you know, we've talked about Chinese equities internally on our team before. And some of those Chinese equities have been under pressure. Um, you know, up until Friday afternoon, because there's talk of delisting potentially some of these Chinese equities are getting tougher as it comes to the accounting standards. And when President Trump didn't really talk about delisting Chinese equities, they really had a good day. The, the ADRs, the Chinese equities in the United States, I should be very clear. But like you said, Jeff, Hong Kong also had a huge job, huge rally overnight. So with, with, with that tough talk, but not the, the worst that the market feared, we had that kind of, we call it relief rally um, into the late uh, late in the week on Friday and um, and, uh, and all said and done, you know, U.S. stocks continue to do well and U.S. China trade discussions are um, they're heating up, you know, the back and forth. But again, could the U.S. really leave that trade agreement that they just made, what, back five months ago, back in January? It's possible. I mean, it's an election year. So, hey, you know, a, lot of, a lot of different things could happen. But Jeff, let's go to kind of part two of this. Um, what we're going to talk about with, with investments, at least, it's this week's weekly market commentary. And, and you, know, you did a great job writing it. But I think I want to focus more right now, at least. And there's a couple of things we can talk about. But the idea that some of the recent laggards have started to do well, specifically, I guess I'm staring at you, value in small caps. They started to do well. Some of the big growthier names have just done so well for so long, kind of took a back seat a little bit last week, kind of came back a little on Friday, but for the most part, they came uh, that those came back. So Jeff, what do you think? I mean, value growth is a <laughs> an age-old discussion for money managers. Growth has led for so long. We get these little blips. 
Um, what do you think for an investor who's looking out six to 12 months from now? Is it time for value to finally take that baton? Probably not, uh, actually. So we discuss in the piece um, a number of reasons why we think the environment is still good uh, for growth. So we have generally been balanced between growth and value in the portfolios that we manage with a little bit of a tilt uh, toward growth. Uh, and we don't think this is the time uh, to make a meaningful move to value. And the you know, primary reason why is because the next leg of this economic recovery is going to be tougher. Right? Mm -hmm. you, know, getting, right. you know, getting this chunk back that we've gotten uh, from um, some reopenings, right? It's been a little bit of a snapback. Wasn't really that hard uh, coming off of such depressed levels. But there are caps on just how much... Uh, business activity can resume in the near term, right? And so once the market starts to focus more on the next leg of this recovery, which will be tougher, we think that maybe will play into growth. And, the, you know, we're still, while we're coming out of recession, um, it's still a recessionary type environment. And so while we, you know, acknowledge the real-time data is getting better, that's great. People are out of their houses more, doing mm -hmm. more stuff. We're seeing that in a number of real-time uh, indicators, and that's, that's great. It's still a recessionary type environment with depressed economic activity. And that, um, to us, suggests maybe some of the stay-at-home stocks, the growth names that have been doing better uh, during this period, um, we think are well-positioned to continue uh, to do better in, in this environment. But once we get to a more durable phase of this recovery, uh, then we think that may be the time. I mean, we've been waiting 10 years. Yes, right? we it hasn't come yet, <laughs> but we may be getting closer to the time, right? When value can shine. Uh, we probably are might come in the second half, but we just think it's too early. No, I agree there. So Jeff, you listed five reasons that potentially the, the kind of the, the long-term trend in growth can continue. And the one I want to focus on, I thought was really good. I'll just read it here. The earnings outlook for the growth style is far better. Russell 1000 growth earnings are expected to fall only 7% in 2020, compared to 32% drop in Russell 1000 value index growth this year uh, for earnings. So very uh, significant earnings backdrop, which again, plays out, I think, to the idea that growth can potentially continue to do pretty well. You know, I've overlaid the, uh, the 210 yield curve with just growth over value. And sometimes it's almost this simple. If you have a lower trending or weakish 210 yield curve, uh, growth tends to do better. It's those higher interest rates and higher steeper yield curves, which help financials such a big part of value uh, that, that can finally lead to outperformance. And obviously, we haven't seen that for, for a very long time. And it, it might be uh, continuing. I mean, Jim, let's talk maybe a second on earnings because uh, not earnings, wrong word. Energy kind of sounds like earnings. Um, you know, energy, we talked before about you know, the price of oil went negative and all the negative things that happened. Yet, if when I look at energy stocks, they've really bounced well and they're, they're a part of value. They're a very small part of value because they've dropped so much. But, you know, when, when you look at um, what's going on with the energy stocks, I mean, they, they started to do fairly well here. When you look at the high yield spreads and things taking place in energy companies, the credit markets are becoming a little more comfortable with energy. So this is a question I get a lot because people, you know, let's be honest, investors like the bottom pick to a degree. It's kind of fun. Fun might be the wrong word to use, but it's 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 appealing to go look at the cruise ships and look at some of the other things that are really beaten up to kind of catch that falling knife. It looks so impressive when you do. What's your take on energy right here and now? Yeah, I'm a little skeptical of the rally, mm -hmm. Ryan. I mean, yep. it's, 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 uh, it's easy to improve off of a negative $37 price of oil. 
right? And so that clearly <laughs> yes, has is. happened. Uh, <laughs> and, and certainly, uh, we have seen significant progress in terms of balancing supply and demand. You know, OPEC's in the news again today. You probably get some more cuts uh, or an ex- extension of the existing caps. Uh, and so that'll that'll help. And we're getting a little bit more demand, right? More people driving and flying. The Dietrich family is contributing to the extra driving miles here today. I understand. So uh, you know that's that's positive, but we're we're still probably um, you know a month or two away from close to rebalancing this uh, the 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 U.S. energy market and frankly the global uh, energy market. So we're we're cautious here. There's still this huge excess supply problem with with the shale production uh, that we think limits where oil can go. Uh, but over the next you know, year or two, we'll probably get back to a level where it's profitable for U.S. producers to produce. So that could you know, put you back in the, call it $45, $50 range. But with futures uh, and what the market's pricing in, it's just tough, uh, we think, to um, benefit from that in terms of investment opportunities. Uh, I agree there. So the other thing that we talked about in this week's weekly market commentary was the idea of how overbought things are. And there's a lot of ways to look at this. But the one thing that was in the news last week was how over 90% of the um, components of the S&P 500 were above their 50-day moving average, which is this historical number. Now, it's actually got up as high as 96% late last week. But we took a look. And historically speaking, near-term, sure, when you have that much overbought, you can have a little more of a correction or consolidation. But six to 12 months out, the returns actually get extremely strong after 90% of the companies are above their 50-day moving average. I think the best way to put it when we took a look at the data, usually this takes place when a lot of the, say, a month or two ahead of time, a lot of those stocks were below the 50-day, taking place in the bear market. This is kind of the hallmark of what, what happens after, really after a bear market's over. And you can get that initial surge, but the prices can keep going up. Now, six months later, Jeff, when I took a look, uh, going back, I have data back to... Um, with facts that going back to 2000, oh, 2000 I guess. Um, the first one was in May of 2003. But six months later, the S&P was higher nine out of 11 times, up about 9% on average. A year later, the S&P's higher 10%, I'm sorry, 10 out of 11 times, up 16% on average. That's after the 50%, I'm sorry, the 90% uh, level of stocks are um, hit as it pertains to above the 50-day. So with a lot of words and a lot of numbers, the bottom line is what we just have seen take place is not something you tend to see in a bear market. It is something you tend to see in a bull market and actually coming off of the lows. I mean, you what do you have to add there, Jeff, to kind of some of these overbought levels that we're seeing? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising to see a little bit of a consolidation, you know, stocks mm-hmm. kind of bumping around and going sideways after such a strong period. But it's certainly encouraging that... Um, Historically, uh, when you get this much breadth, right, this many yes. stocks working, uh, that stocks can continue to go higher. And the reason is we're early cycle, right? So we're mm-hmm. coming out of recession, we think, right now. And that's a good thing. Yep. Uh, if you look back at all these periods, <clears throat> that's typically what you see. When the markets are uh, the most oversold and uh, our most investors are most worried about recession or in a recession, um, that tends to create the best opportunities for rebounds. And, and, and that's what you get. That's what we mean when we say uh, early cycle. So, you know, now we're probably moving. This is it's crazy how fast economic cycles are happening, right? We went from, you <laughs> yes, know, such a strong economy to one of the worst recessions in decades, you know, practically overnight. And then we, it seems like we almost completed the early cycle portion of the 
of the bull market, potentially new bull market, in just a couple of months. Uh, and maybe now we're moving into something that's more mid-cycle, where we just sort of um, you know bump around and wait and see how um, the economic recovery plays out. Yeah, I mean, 2020 is a year that's broken a lot of records, some good and obviously a lot bad. At the lows, the S&P was down more than 30% year to date. And when we took a look, you know, there's never been a year where the S&P has come back all the way to green when it was down that much. Um, in 2003, it was down like 25 or 26% at the March uh, 2009 lows before it came back to green. So, hey, the S&P is down 5 or 6% for the year as we speak right now. So, could be another record-breaking year if the stocks do actually come all the way back to um, to green. Now, you know, I love the quote by uh, Patton. You know, Patton's got so many general Patton has so many good quotes. He says, "Success is how high you bounce when you hit bottom." <laughs> Think about that. That's a lot like this market. And you mentioned Jeff the idea of breath. Well, we just talked about it a second ago how some of the laggards are finally starting to participate. And again, that just builds to the whole theme. I mean, tech tech still did well last week. It was still up, I believe. Um, and healthcare also, you know, just not up as much as some of the other things. So it's kind of a really unique situation. But Jeff, let's go to the final thing we wanted to talk about. And it's just kind of the idea of, are you confused? Now, you didn't mention uh, the idea that, you know, the economy is coming back. And it is true. As of this morning, I helped my wife and uh, three kids load up in the car and they're driving to Ohio as we speak. They've got 500 miles. And now I know, you know things are still shut down. They're just going to hang out at my in-law's house and, um, you know, just kind of do some stuff there and go to some swimming pools and things of some, some close friends and that's it. But I'm a man in the fort. So we'll see how we'll see how I'm doing in a week, you know, being a bachelor with the dogs. And I do want to thank the dogs. I'm home right now and no dog is barked as of the time of this recording. And I had a stern talking with them that they're not supposed to bark. So that's um that's good. But the Dietrichs are trying to um do our our part to bring some of the economy back by I guess buying some gasoline today. So Jeff, you know, the idea that it's are you confused? I mean the data is just it's coming off the mat, but it's still historically bad, yet stocks are up 36%. I mean, what's kind of got you maybe the most confused? It doesn't make sense. You've been doing this a while. I mean, well, what's got you scratching your head more than anything, you think? Well, yeah, it, it's kind of funny when this whole um, you know pandemic started, when, when, the, when the outbreak first hit U.S. shores, I thought, you know, maybe this is a 10%, 15% type correction in the market. And mm -hmm. that's what we have, right? We're down 10 10, 12% right now from, from the peak. So should I say I was right? <laughs> you know, that's a stretch, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so in, in one sense, though, I mean, all joking aside, in one sense, uh, I think it's, it, you could argue this market is, is fairly valued because of all the stimulus we've got, low interest rates, and we're seeing uh, good signs of, of recovery, right? Uh, and the market's forward-looking, and we're going to get a vaccine, we think. At some point, you know, hopefully widely available early next year at the latest. Uh, we'll we'll see. Probably going to be a little later than that. Um, so this there will be an end uh, to this pandemic, and and markets are rightly focused on the recovery. But at the same time, it just feels to us that it's too early, right? I mean, this is, uh, I mean, the economic challenges that lie ahead are tough. I don't want to get you know too too negative, but um, a lot of jobs are not going to come back this year that were just lost. We, we yep. got some back last week. That was great. And the weekly jobless claims numbers, they showed continuing claims, right? About mm, big drop. Million dollar, yeah. uh, 4 million claim drop, right? And the number of people that are on, actively on um, unemployment, that's, that's great. Uh, and we'll see more progress. But there's going to be a little bit of a plateau there, unfortunately. I hope there's not. But there's going to be a plateau on how much progress we can make 
here in the near term, uh, given the, the levels of dislocation. So that, that's what's a little bit confusing to us. We, you know, we'll take it. Stocks are up nicely off the lows, um, but feels like it's a little too far too fast. Uh, I totally agree there. And this is obviously one of the most historic rallies we've ever seen. So I don't think it's too um, obscene to say it is maybe a little too far too fast in the near term. But, you know, I just what fascinates me is how confused everyone is. Now, what I mean by that, China just said they're going to stop giving a forward GDP guidance. No one ever believed China's GDP numbers before, but now they're even saying they're not even going to do it anymore. Uh, there's two really cool sentiment indicators I like to follow. Bank of America has one and Citigroup has the other. Bank of America sentiment is flashing extreme pessimism. Citigroup's is flashing extreme optimism. I mean, it, it, or I'm sorry, extreme pessimism and, and Citigroup's is flashing extreme, um, yeah, extreme optimism. It's just, it's amazing to me when, when you, how confused everybody is. We've had a 35% rally. We don't even know if we're bullish or bearish. You know, I mean, it's like, we're just scratching our head and you see the terrible headlines that are taking place in our country over the, well, over the last week or so, and specifically over the weekend. And it's, um, it is really a really confusing time. So if you're confused at all as to what's going on, don't worry. You're, you're definitely not alone. Now, Jeff, you know, maybe let's, we've got a couple minutes to go. Let's wrap things up with th this week. Like I said, this week, I am a bachelor. So we'll see. I'll try not to eat too, uh, too bad of food and have too much fun while everybody's gone. So that's the big thing in my life. But this week, uh, we have the jobs number on Friday. And I believe, what's the other, ECB. ECB on Thursday, where they might finally say they're going to increase their balance sheet. What are you Besides those two, or maybe if you want to build on those two, what, what should investors be looking at this week? Well, I, this is going to add to the confusion, right? Um, <laughs> it's a microcosm of the confusion, right? We're going to have a terrible jobs number, you know, consensus is for another 8 million jobs lost in May. And for the unemployment rate to increase by about five points to right around 20%. We haven't seen numbers this high since the Great Depression. So it's clearly... Uh, not going to be any good news there. Uh, but um, you've got this massive stimulus supporting markets, right? The markets do follow central bank balance sheets. They follow, you know, interest rates, money supply. And, and that's what we're going to hear uh, about from the ECB. They are going to mm -hmm. increase their bond purchases. And uh, certainly uh, we're going to hear more from Europe in terms of stimulus. They've been behind. Japan's leading. Um, uh, and China doesn't need as much right now, but the U.S. is is well ahead of Europe. Uh, so they'll start to do a little bit of catch up, but they're not they're not going to catch up fully, uh, certainly. And and it, that's that highlights one of the reasons why we like investing in the U.S. more than in Europe right now. Uh, but uh, bottom line, there's just there's confusion when people try to assess the impact of the stimulus um, and and compare that to the uh, just terrible economic data that we continue to see. Uh, exactly. One other thing, I guess we've got you know, maybe two minutes, so I kind of need to wrap this up. But one other thing that caught my attention last week, the savings rate soared. I'm going to use the word soared here to 33%, just crushing any of the previous records. And you look at consumer spending down record amounts. Personal income last month was up significantly, and a lot of that had to do with the stimulus checks being sent. But that 33% savings rate, yes, it'll probably go lower. People are in saving and panic mode right now with what's going on. But one of the, the there's a lot of different things about the Great Depression that 
that um, made it extend further. And one of the thinkings is people were just decimated by what happened and they saved a lot, which is a good thing. But at the same time, I didn't come right back out and start to spend as much and open those wallets. So that's something we're going to watch closely here. Um, if we want to get this economy up and running again and not just focus on stimulus, monetary, fiscal, we need the consumer, which was leading us really nicely until February, uh, to come back. Now, they're saving some money now, which is good. But will they open their wallets when things open back up? That's that's a really big question, I think, for uh, you know the shape of their recovery, a W, a V, a square root, um, or whatever shape that recovery might be. So, Jeff, we've kind of hit the end of the road. Any last comments from you? Then I'll bring us home. Yeah, I'll just um, add to what you said about the stimulus. That is bridging us to the other side, right? Consumers have a lot of money to spend right now based on the national data that you just highlighted, Ryan. Uh, now the businesses are opening. Um, the protests maybe delay that a little bit, but businesses are reopening across the country. Consumers are getting out of their houses and starting to spend, certainly more than they were in, uh, in April. Uh, that is a good thing. Uh, hopefully we can make more progress containing the pandemic here and um, a lot of us can return to uh, normal activity in a month or so. Mm -hmm. uh, normal activity be good. I just saw this morning, I think uh, what basketball is starting to come back and baseball. My neighbor is a uh, Blue Jay scout and he's talking baseball is getting much closer to announcing some something. I'm not going to have fans in the, in the seats, but nonetheless, just to turn on the TV and watch a baseball game would be I think we'd all, uh, we maybe took that for granted this time a year ago, but we feel pretty good right now. So thank you, Jeff, for being here this week. Thank you for everyone for being here at the latest LPL Market Signals podcast. Our most recent, we took last week off for the holiday, but the one two weeks ago uh, was one of our highest, most listened and downloaded episodes ever of our podcast. So thank you for the continued listenership and partnership of being here every week. And as long as you guys keep coming back, we will keep doing it. So everyone enjoy the week. And uh, for, we made it to June, June 1st. Isn't that crazy? So Summer is here. So thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial. It's for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All index are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.